You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Let me start off this podcast by saying that I'm mad at Nada today for a couple of reasons, and they are all tied together. Number one, reason that I'm mad at Nada, where only less so because... I did go to the studio today, ready to record face-to-face, and what does Nada do within the first five seconds of me seeing him get out of his car? He says, man, I brought the wrong keys. We're just going to have to go home and do a Zoom recording. That's the first thing he says to me as soon as he gets out of his car. Would you like to explain yourself, not on the first offense that you provided today? I just brought the wrong keys. I literally, <laughs> I took my girlfriend's car and I brought the wrong keys. That, that That's is fine. And the, here's the real reason I'm mad because the studio is actually very, very close to my apartment, even if it wasn't whatever. That's just a good old fashioned ribbing here. Uh, the second reason I'm much more mad at you is because I did get home. And then after, after about 25, 30 minutes, I thought, all right, should be hitting me up any minute or so. And then I wait and I wait and I'm ready to put some pizza rolls on the plate in order to just get a little snack. I'm gonna, I've got something a little bit more sophisticated for your palate, not a later on that I'm going to cook, laying out some meat and actually having a big boy dinner. But I thought, hey, I hadn't had pizza rolls in a while. I bought some the other day. I thought I might get a little snack. And I knew as soon as I was going to try to put those on a plate, then you would text me and say that I'm ready to record. And what did you do? As soon as I was opening up the freezer, you texted me and said, just got home, about to fire up the Zoom, and therefore I have to wait a little bit longer for my pizza rolls. Do you think I feel sorry for you? Uh, you should. I don't. You should. It's a, it's a travesty what happened there, as now I'm going to have to wait even longer. Are you so sophisticated that you're going to hate on me for eating pizza rolls, or does that have a special place in your heart? Sir, I am, I am a grown man. I have stopped, <laughs> I've stopped eating pizza rolls a very, very long time ago. Again, different strokes for different folks. I let you be you. Go. Just go you enjoy usually them. don't. You usually kill me. And, and I'm telling you, I went to this place that's right next to my apartment and I saw pizza rolls in the freezer aisle. And it was like, for the first time, I was like, you know what? I hadn't had those in forever. I mean, it's probably been, I think, I think Bobby Rosinski, I went to his house one time and his mm-hmm. kid had pizza rolls and they were like, you know what? Let's just all eat some for the party. I, I've got them. And we just were all eating them, uh, just hanging outside. And that was like two years ago or something like that. And I was like, yeah, man, pizza rolls are great. Bagel bites are fantastic. They're probably better than pizza rolls, but pizza rolls are still fantastic. Um, with that being said, we're part of the Lockdown Hornets uh, team here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Not of the Scribe. Can I interest you in more Sam Vecini article? Boy, this thing is dense. We're probably going to have to get to some of this on Monday as well. Can I interest you in more of that, Not? Yeah, more so than pizza rolls, yes. <laughs> but, but bagel bites might be a little bit different. Maybe. <laughs> bagel bites are good, Nada. Like, I'm not here for the slander there. You know, I can take the grape jelly. I can even take the pizza rolls because it does sound like I'm extremely juvenile. But the bagel yes. bites, bagel bites are dope. If Can you we say agree so, on that? if you say so, let's get to this article because a lot of this trade stuff I want to hear about. I want to hear more I was about, about this. To say, why are you being? Yeah, you're you're being awfully like I don't know if I'm going to say nice, but I'm just usually I'm I haven't gotten the uncultured savage in like three times that I thought I should have heard it already. But let's let's dodge it all together. Let's get to the trade talk. So 
In this article, after we had talked about some of the prospects that Sam Bassini likes for the Hornets at number three overall, as well as even a handful of prospects in the second round we discussed yesterday, he also provides four trade ideas that I do find pretty interesting. Yes. And one of the things that he provides, I'm going to try to go two here. Maybe we go two next segment. We'll see what we can get to. But the first one that I, I saw people talk about the most on Twitter, Nada, it was the 76ers idea that he poses. In the 76ers idea that he poses, he asked the question, quote, would Philadelphia be willing to attach number one, uh, excuse me, number 21 overall and number 36 overall in this year's draft and Al Horford in exchange for a Terry Rozier, he would also think that it is a pretty good fit for everyone around. So I say once more, number 21 overall in this year's draft, number 36 overall in this year's draft and Al Horford in exchange for Terry Rozier, where Al Horford has three more years left on his deal. He'll be making $27.5 million, um, basically a season. It is a little bit, um, it is a little bit declining, but he's, he'll be making $26.5 non-guaranteed in 2022-2023. So you still do have a, lo- uh, a long uh, time with this contract with Al Horford. And then Fair Terry enough. Rozier, of course, we have a couple more years left with him before you might be able to move him. And Nada, I am of the belief that it is a good idea for the Hornets to take on bad money and continue to take on some good assets. But I look at this and I think that Al Horford contract, it's just too long. It's just too much money. And we're talking about the picks being too late in the first round to take on that kind of money, especially in an NBA draft that has been criticized and criticized and criticized for how weak it is. And I don't care if you're giving me a poo-poo platter of draft picks. I don't want 21 and 36 overall for three more years of Horford, where, yes, I might still be a little sensitive of trying to get out of cap hell, where Terry Rozier's contract, I'm sorry, to me, it's just not that bad. And I wonder how much more tradable it is than an Al Horford. I don't want to do this deal. Not a what say you on the deal that Stan Bassini proposed. I do not like this deal. I am one of those that believes that contract only ages worse the longer this goes. I do not believe that you can throw Al Horford into a deal. And then, and more importantly, and I think we talked about this before we started recording, quite on, quite honestly, with this package, I need something in 2021. Like, you're going to have to give me something that's not in this draft to, for me to be interested in it, quite honestly. I need one more pick. There's not enough here for me to take three years of an awful co- contract where the Sixers have virtually no leverage. More importantly, with the cap space that the Hornets are going to have going forward, I'm kind of of the mind, yo, this is going to be a lot more valuable than people seem to admit. There are other deals that Sam talks about that I really think is re- realistic and better for this team going forward. Now, if they offered like a 2021, I've seen people talk about throwing in Zaire Smith to this. That doesn't appeal to me as much. I like there's no way that this works for me. Now, again, if they're talking about adding Tobias Harris instead of Al Horford, I might be more willing. I I might be a little bit more amenable to a deal. And again, Tobias Harris, 21 and 36. That makes more sense. But for what it is right now, I'm kind of okay with this. I, I'm so, kind of okay passing. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay passing too. 
And I, I'm a little interested in Sam Vecini's idea here um, and, and why he thinks this. He, he goes on to write his basis for the deal. He, get, he says, Hornets get a potential solution for their center question by acquiring Horford, who I think is still a good player that just was in the worst possible fit for his skills last year in Philadelphia. He'd likely help with their defense and the communication involved with teaching young players where they need to be. They also acquire two valuable picks to help with the rebuild for taking on an older player worth $70 million who has that left on his contract over the next three years. Now, I get why it makes sense for Philadelphia because they get Terry Rozier, who, if nothing else, can just go out there and at least help you with some shooting because of the way that he shot at least 38% on the last, I forget how many attempts, but it's it's like maybe the last 1,200 attempts that he's had, he shot 38% um, from three. I think Terry has established himself as a pretty good NBA three-point shooter, certainly with what he did this past season, but also his best skill, I think, has proven to be catching and shooting the ball when he moved to the two and Devontae Graham moved to the one. So I get why it makes sense for Philadelphia because you have to get off that contract in Al Horford, who is the worst possible fit, and he's 34 years old, and you're getting rid of picks, sure, but their picks later on in this year's NBA draft. And then Sam Bassini would go on to write, giving up the picks would suck, but because the entire league knows that they're going to have to move Horford this offseason, the team's leverage is minimal. Well, hell yeah, that's why I'm not doing it for those two picks. Like, if you want to get rid of Horford, not it's the same thing you were saying. Like, give me something better than number 21 and 36 in this year's draft. Give me something with 2021 and higher because your leverage does suck so badly. And I know how badly you want to get off of Al Horford's contract. And the other thing is, and this is something else, I don't think the Hornets have four open spots on their roster. So are we starting to go back to selling picks or are we going to figure out the best picks for everybody in, in that aspect? Because if we're in the business of selling picks and that means we're closer to contending, right? Like, right. Well, and, and well, I mean, if you want to sell picks, you can move those picks to move further up in the draft. And so I don't even mind acquiring all the picks. I'll take all the picks that you can give me because you can just take those and then move up further in the NBA draft either this year or next year or whatever. So I'm cool with acquiring all the picks. But for me, not if you're going to make this deal, I, I understand taking on the bad money, but three years left on that deal. If you think that you're going to have a hard time trading it, and I see a scenario where Al Horford comes to the Charlotte Hornets, actually somewhat resurrects his value, and maybe there's a team out there that, that would take him on. Oh, I could see that happening. But with three years left on it, at the age of 34, there is a possibility with three years left on that deal for him to continue to be on this team through the entirety of that contract. And if that's the case, I mean, I do want the Hornets to start going towards some kind of postseason birth and um, even maybe higher, you know, in the next two years. Like, I'm cool with losing now and maybe even the year after that. I'm cool with I, – I would like to see some improvement for sure. But at that point, then it's Al Horford is 36, 37. While I think that veterans are important with a young team, I don't want to pay $27 million for that. I want no, to – I mean, even Marvin at 15, who was great, and I loved having him on the team, even 15 million for that kind of uh, factor on the team was a little too much, let alone 27 mil. And more importantly, and I think, again, you're tired of me hearing this, me saying this, but we do not know what the financial structure of the NBA is. That 27 million, again, having 27 million to park might be a lot more worth a lot more than we're giving it for right now because if the if the cap is a straight 100 million or less than that 
27 million contract, 27 million dollar contract to park. I'm sorry. That's going to be again. At what point does that become Chris Paul levels of uh, of a salary dump or Russell well, West? He even resurrected his value. Right. Exactly. But, but especially especially in our our situation here in Charlotte, though, I mean, especially with that, I just don't like having those three years. I don't care if you're giving me 21 and 36. You know, I might just not be valuing that as much, but I, I don't value that as much if I have to take on that kind of contract. And I'm just going to say no, just like you are. We have three other deals to get to. We spent a lot of time on that, but I think that was the most talked about yesterday. Yes, it was. So we'll move, we'll move on. But one thing that you should always uh, make sure that you're paying attention to, and if this was offered to me, not if you wanted to trade in an app to me, then I would absolutely spend four first round picks, the maximum, if you wanted to trade me some DoorDash app stock. That's right, DoorDash app. It's fantastic, and they bring you food you're craving right now directly to your door. Ordering is easy too. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat. Your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. And they have deliveries that are now contactless to keep communities we operate in as safe as possible. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and a $0 delivery fee on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app. That's code LOCKEDONNBA. Again, don't forget, it's all one word. That's locked on NBA for $5 off of your first order with DoorDash. I have some more trade proposals. Want to talk about that's coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid. And I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to yeah, be back. Great to be back on the show. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. We have more trade proposals that I would be more open to that Sam Bassini list on his athletic article, Nada. And let's go with the one that he has proposed with the Nets. So he does yeah. say, for instance, with one of the ideas that he uh, puts up here, he says. Could the Nets decide that they need to move Torian Prince and his two-year $25 million contract in order to re-sign Joe Harris? And if so, would they be willing to attach the number 19 overall pick to have such a deal? So again, in this proposal, the Hornets would be taking on Torian Prince, his two-year $25 million contract, and the 19th overall selection, and then in exchange... Um, I don't know what you would be giving the Brooklyn Nets, but that is something that maybe the Hornets would be able to do because they have cap space and take on the 19th overall pick. And let's just say, I don't know who the Nets would be interested in um, and, and to get back. But you know that would be, uh, to me, like that's the kind of deal that I would be willing to ex- um, accept yes. um, as far as what the Hornets would be getting in return. And I, I don't know what you would be sending the Nets way because, you know, I'm, I, I, you're not doing that for Miles Bridges yet, you know, like that. That's not anything you're doing for Bridges. I think you. I um, think what they're saying is you just take that in the space because you have the space to do that. So you're taking on a twelve million dollars and you're getting a first round, but you're spending twelve million dollars for an additional first round pick this year. I get that to an extent, to an extent, because again, I'm always just going to say the cap space that the Hornets have right now is one of probably the most vital resources when it when we start talking about building a team and saying, okay, you can park this bad contract here for X amount. Think about Memphis from last year. Memphis took on that bad Andre Iguodala contract and sque- squeezed the life out of it 
took a lot of bad press for it. And again, took a lot of bad press. But at the end of the day, they ended up getting Justice Winslow out of it. And Justice Winslow is a nice young asset to help build around a John Morant. I kind of want to do the same thing. If you're going to take on bad contracts like that, you got to give me a lot. You got to give me a little bit more than what they're doing right now. Well, and Torian Prince's contract is an untradeable too. Like if exactly. You, if, you, if you ate that, then you can move that one. And so that's something that I absolutely um, would be a lot more accepting to. And how about this one? You know, could the Hornets take on Enos Cantor's contract, basically pay $5 million to move from number 32 to number 26 in this year's NBA draft? And the, the significant part about that is that you would get the extra year of the rookie scale control from mm-hmm. your uh, first round contract that you would sign. So basically, would you take on an Enos Cantor that does play the big man role? Um, you know, would you do that to move up six spots and get that extra year of control? I, I don't think I would hate that. You know, if you wanted to bring me Enos Cantor, who is only on the books for, I believe, one more season. I've got the... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's only on the books for one more season. And it, it's a $5 million a year deal. So yeah, that would be something that uh, I would be open to. And um, if there's somebody that you think you like enough that's going to be in that 26 overall range, uh, I, I think I'd be fine with that. Not what about you? I I am would be fine with it. I would be fine... Like 20, again, now we're talking about the deals that are much more amenable in terms of they're not as toxic. You're not killing as much of your cap space and you're still providing yourself an an open haven to really start building, not necessarily building blocks through free agency, but at least making yourself relevant in free agency and saying, hey, we have a solid program here. I am one of those that doesn't think that Cantor would really want to play here and then would seek a buyout in the middle of this. But again, I, I like these ideas a little bit better and moving up to 26, getting a another wing and then filling the center spot that, again, everybody knows is a problem. I'm OK. I'm kind of OK with this. Let's go. Let's start doing this. The next one. The next one is the most interesting one to me, though. That you're All right. Now let's get to it. Could a team like Phoenix be looking to create cap space for a max free agent? Sam puts in parentheses, say Fred Van Vliet and move the one year remaining on Kelly Oubre's contract with a protected future first round pick. Now, why is that the most interesting one to you? Because I think Kelly Oubre is the best return and it's probably the best fit in terms of a wing that this team needs badly. This again, Kelly Oubre is more of a three than a four. But when we start talking about getting a protected pick from Phoenix and depending on the protections, like I would, again, because this team has a lot of cap space to park places, park stuff in. Look, if we're talking about getting a, I'll I'll just throw this out, a top five protected pick from Phoenix. I kind of feel good about that, especially if it's 2021. You got to feel good about what you're probably getting in return because that could potentially be two lottery picks. You you have two two lottery (laughs) picks in 2021 in a deeper draft. I kind of like the way that goes. That's more of that's more interesting. And then you're getting a, a really good player that actually fits the roster as it goes right now. 
You know, his numbers are pretty interesting, Kelly Oubre's. This is somebody that averaged 18.7 points per game. Mm-hmm. He shot 35% from three. Now, that is much more than his career three-point uh, shooting percentage at 33. So this really helped him get to that 33 career. But he did shoot 35% from three last year, and that was on five and a half attempts per game. So it's not like he wasn't shooting from out there. And he did shoot 45% from the field. That would make an effective field goal percentage of 52 um, if you uh, round up. So like, this is a guy that you're right. I do think that's the most interesting player that comes back in return, somebody that could help. And you know what, like with all the other guys, Torian Prince, you know, I don't know how interested you would be in in keeping him long-term for sure. Maybe that would be someone, but Ubre is someone who is going to turn 25 this year. Uh, That's a younger player where that's kind of the idea that we've kind of talked about with the Hornets a little bit too. Do they have enough, um, it, it, would that be something smart to do for the Hornets where they would maybe take on one of these younger player projects, if you will? Maybe Kelly Oubre is somebody that can even take a further step up and then uh, him be somebody that is actually a part of the Hornets, maybe a little bit longer term than just you know having him until his contract runs out just to get the assets and then you move on from it. And, you know, it's not like I trust Phoenix to continue to build upon what they've done, right? Exactly. They they look good. Like, there's no doubt about it. I love Mikhail Bridges. I like DeAndre Ayton, I think, more than most. And Devin Booker proved that he's not Devin Snooker, despite Doug Branson's slander. But it's not like that's an organization that you can full-on trust and say, hey, they've got something cooking now. You are about to get a delicious treat from it. You know, the, the Suns mess up everything. Hell yeah, I'll take the first round protected pick. Exactly. And again, Phoenix can go Phoenix, and you're always a Devin Booker injury away from this being a, t- a chance where you actually end up with a top 10 pick in a loaded draft. And I think if we're going to start talking about that, that's the most interesting one for me right now. I agree. Uh, I think that one would be the, the other three. The, the first one, I just don't want Al Horford's contract. Yes. I'm sorry, Al. I like you as a player. I do think, of course, that Philadelphia's fit was just so bad for him this past season, but it's not somebody that I'm willing to take on. Um, and just to take on two extra picks, like I, you know, may, unless you had an idea of parlaying that, but I, I don't want the deal. Not, I know you agree with me on that. Uh, one thing we can also agree on is just how tasty and delicious built bars are. Cherry Barcia, okay. baby. Yeah, Cherry Barcia. See, Built Bars, not only are they tasty, but they are healthy for you too. It's great for the health conscious guy. They lose and uh, you can lose or maintain your weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They have low calories. Uh, they have a low amount of sugar. They have high protein. They have high fiber. It is great also for the keto diet. If that's something that you are partaking in, what also is cool about Built Bar is you get, you get a free cooler with a purchase um, of Built Bar at BuiltBar.com while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off as well of your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON. Don't put any spaces in it. It's all one word. Locked on for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Always appreciate them partnering with us, uh, with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. One more segment to go before we get into the weekend. It's coming up next on the Locked On uh, Hornets Podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. SGA, 20 points, 20 rebounds, triple-double. I don't have a question. Oh, I just wanted to throw yeah, that yeah, in the yeah, middle of the arena. God almighty. Oh, oh, that knife. It hurts. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
All right, Nada, we always try to find excuses to talk music on this pod, and yes. we're really not all that successful in doing so. Like, we would like to talk more music than we actually do, understanding the people don't come here for the music. They come here for the Hornets talk and maybe some of the, uh, some of the weird stuff that we would get as well. But it is the 19-year anniversary of Jay-Z's original blueprint that he released, and mm-hmm. you think that has a uh, high seat in the hierarchy of all the rap albums at the turn of the uh, millennium. Let me put it this way. There is not an album. There, actually, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll correct myself. I, I told you before I was gonna I was going to have the hot take. It's the best album since 2000. Mm-hmm. No, I would be wrong. There's only one album better, and okay. it came out the following year. It's The Fix. But number two... Jay-Z's The Blueprint. There is, there is only one album better than Jay-Z's Blueprint because when you start thinking about it, that is the first album where I can really say, that's the first album, that's the first Jay-Z album. I can say I went through the entire thing without skipping one thing. And then the bonus tracks. Like, think about this. You have Lyrical Exercise. You have Girls, Girls, Girls remix. It's the greatest rap, like literally, take some time after you listen to this podcast Take some time. Go listen to that Blueprint album. See how great it was. And then just tell me that I'm wrong. Come back and tell me that I'm wrong. Tweet me that I'm wrong. I may block you if you get really disrespectful, but tell Mm -hmm. me I'm wrong. Go ahead. Try and tell me I'm wrong. Uh, No, Blueprint was great. I would go to Kendrick Lamar immediately and say something that I would rival you with, with Good Kid, Mad City. I think that's one that deserves some love. I love To Pimp a Butterfly. Um, I think more than most. <laughs> <laughs> Butterfly is fantastic. I'm not going to be here for any slander. That thing is strictly art. Kendrick Lamar blessed us with art in 2015, and that's all there is to it. But I do think Good Kid, Mad City, as far as a popularity standpoint, would be higher up on the list as far as best rap album since 2000. Um, some other ones that I would put out there, like, can, can we talk about Kanye albums at all? Like, is that no, Kanye? Can, no, 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 no. We can't. We do don't want to do that. All no, right, we can't. I apologize. Yeah, I just thought I'd put that out there. Uh, you tried yeah, that. What, uh, what about the Carter Three from Lil Wayne? Are we going no, with Carter Three? No, as one that I, I like. I like Carter Three. I think, but I think it's of the first three, it's the weakest. I think Carter One. Uh, I actually like Carter Two the best. Give me Carter Three second, but Carter Two is my favorite Carter album. And uh, I actually liked Carter four as well when it came out, which a lot of people didn't love it, but I liked for Carter a good four. reason. For I, good I, re- liked, I liked Carter four, man. Carter four was good to me. Carter three just went crazy when that dropped. And, yes. uh, and, but Carter two is my favorite Carter album. How about what, didn't we just get like the no ceilings anniversary too? not too long. We ago? did get the no ceilings anniversary, which is one of my favorite mixtapes of all time. And well, again, I mean, Again, favorite mixtapes is a completely different thing, and sure. and literally we can go forever. We could go. We can make an entire episode on that. <laughs> Man, when No Ceilings came out, I was a junior in high school, and when that came out, my whole damn high school was blaring that nonstop, including me. And didn't they just mm-hmm. put it on like all streaming services? Only yes, it is. Album, yes, it is. It, That's it what is, I thought. It, it is on all album like. It's one of the few mixtapes I'm waiting for to come back out. Like, like I was waiting for that one. I'm still waiting for Friday Night Lights, which I'm not sure we're ever going to get. Um, I'm wanting, uh, I forget, Forever in a Day from um, Crit, I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for Return of Forever. Like, there's a lot of these that mm-hmm. I cannot wait to, for them to hit streaming services because 
they they were like the mixtapes were out again. And I think this is something that we probably don't acknowledge enough. If we're like listening to music, like for a while there, your mixtape was your album. That was the way you expressed yourself was through either, either original beats or eventually sometimes other people's beats and then just straight jacking them. So when we start talking about the mixtapes and the albums and everything else like that, it's just, I love this nostalgia. And I, again, and I hate being nostalgic. I hate being nostalgic. Yeah, that's right. That's but like at the same word. time, it's like taboo for you. Exactly. It is. I hate being nostalgic, but at the same time, when we start thinking about these mixtapes, it just creates a completely different vibe, man. Completely different um, vibe. Going back to the blueprint list, because I think it was the anniversary of blueprint three, too. And that Ooh, came boy. out like my junior year or something like that as yes, well. That was an album I constantly listened to as well. And people hated on the blueprint three. And I'm telling you, man, I loved that album when it came out. And it's funny because I loved it then. And then I had people on mainstream Twitter telling me that it was a bad album. And I was like, man, is that just me being a dumb high school kid that absolutely yes. loved it? Um, well, you like it. I've heard you I like for Blueprint 3. I, again, the highs are really high. The lows are really bad. See, I don't even think like there's a couple bad songs. Yeah, I don't listen to Forever Young. Like that's not something. Forever Young is yeah, exactly. You stop and, the album before you get to Forever Young. Well, and I, and I get the mainstream, but like you know, for for a lot of those songs, so ambitious. I love Already Home is fantastic. Yes. Uh, no, Death to Auto Tune is fantastic. To yes. Me. I'm with all of that, man. And so for me, like even one of the biggest hits on there, and I forget what it is. Um, on to the next one. Like I was here for that one too. That was fine. You know, it was a, a decent hit. I liked other songs better. Blueprint three was fantastic. Um, to me, and everybody else tried to tell me no, and then I feel like. But I also feel like people also kind of on Twitter, uh, it's a polarizing album, man. Like I it is like a I, very I polarizing album. tweet about this. I feel like Bomani's on my side where he likes Blueprint 3. Yeah, he Again, Blueprint 3 is just not, again, as long as we start trying to, the, big, the biggest thing that we did with Blueprint 3, the biggest mistake we make is that there's some sort of correlation between 1, 2, and 3. Is it, again, is it Magna Carta Holy Grail bad? No, it'll never be that. <laughs> but um, yeah. you, but at the same time blueprint like i said it's an all right album the highs are really high the lows are really low that's all i got for you what do we so blueprint 2 is the first cd that i ever bought with my own money mm -hmm. in the curse man that's the first ever one that i ever bought and so for me i probably am not the best to ever say you know give a true unbiased opinion on that as i've gotten older yeah, mm -hmm. it's not great. I also don't think it's all that bad, but people don't like Blueprint 2. Um, what is your thoughts on Blueprint 2 compared to the other Blueprint? Blueprint, here's the thing. Blueprint 2 was arrogant. Again, you know what it is? It was <laughs> Napoleon trying to start a land war with Russia. That was, it was just arrogance. It was the idea that I'm going to make this, this double album where not many people have made a really good double album. And to this day, there really hasn't been a really good double album yet. In terms of rap, mm -hmm. I yeah. would on I would honestly say if he cut it down to one, it would be an awesome. And again, not even the two point one that came out later, like because for all of that, I think he picked the wrong songs. There's a there was a way to pick out the sixteen best songs, and I do that on a playlist on my Apple Music. But it again, same thing as same thing as Blueprint Three though. Highs are really really high. 
the lows are really, really bad, though. So, I, man, I go back to Blueprint uh, just real quickly, the original one. And I believe Questlove worked on Heart of the City, if I'm not mistaken. If, if I think I think right. it's Kanye. It's Kanye, though. Are you sure? Well, I think Questlove also worked on that too, though, right? Yeah, he Am I did. not mistaken? That he, he worked did. on he helped, the city? He helped, Yeah, he helped out with that too as well, if I'm not mistaken. Because he talks about his drum, he talks about his drumming at the very beginning of the song, right? When we're about to take off. I think that's right. I think this is the song that I'm thinking of. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm a huge Questlove fan. Like, yes, I'm exactly. All embedded into the roots. And we, you know, that, that can be a different discussion. But, you know, Questlove, because Jay Z loves Questlove and the roots as well. Like, he, you know, that's why he went to them just to get the band without Black Thought to perform mm-hmm. at his Unplugged event. And it was funny to hear Black Thought kind of talk about that. I think that was an interview last year with Ebro. Uh, Ebro, I should say. Um, but yeah, like it was funny to uh, for Black Thought to talk about that. But like that heart of the city jam, I mean, every that that like... That brings, I think that reaches a lot of different ears listening to that. And, you know, for that to be on Blueprint, like that is probably a song that is your best evidence of Blueprint being as good as any album since 2000. Well, again, you got to think about it. Just go down the list. You have, again, the intro. Again, the ruler's back starts off. Then it goes into Takeover, which flips, a, which Kanye flips a sample of the Doors 5 to 1. And then throws in a fame again, throws in fame from David Bowie in the same album. You got girls again, H to the Izzo, which takes a bunch of again. I think it's uh, I want to be where you are from J- Jackson Five. You go from that to again the one bad, the one mediocre song, Jigga that you know what, and then you go from there to again Hola Ovito. You got you don't know, which is just Blaze just. Spazzing oh, yeah. on a track. Yeah, no, you're right about that. That's absolutely you got, like, again, one of those those intros, man. Yeah. Uh, funny, funny fact about um about that song. I may or may not have gotten in a booth with a couple of my buddies and oh, no. after that beat one time. Oh, no. that is something I might have done. Yes. I don't think that track's it, out it, there anywhere, but it doesn't. I better hope me. not. I hope no, I hope not. not. <laughs> I hope not. Because again, here's the thing. If it is, someone's going to find that and someone's going to use that against you for the wake up call. Not even this, because I, again, I have morals. I have scruples. I would never use that against you. Yeah. Uh, please don't. I don't, I don't, I really don't think it's there. There is some, there is some songs that are saved uh, by a couple of my buddies who are trying to make it in the rap game. And I don't think they've got mine. Uh, out. I don't think they have mine to that beat, but I hopped in the booth a couple times. So let's just oh, say no. there's a reason that I'm doing radio that wraps up this edition of locked out Hornets. Thanks again to uh, built bar for supporting the show as well as DoorDash. Always appreciate our sponsor supporting the podcast network. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Have a great weekend. Enjoy some playoff basketball. We'll be back with you on Monday. We still got to dig through the Sam Bassini article and talk a little bit more about some of the topics he discussed. That's coming up on a Monday edition of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Mm-hmm.